Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Okay, hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Good. Um, well, I was trying to think of a really good joke to start this off with, and uh, that is not happening. So, in the future, I will just show you lovely pictures of my dog, and that's how you guys will, that's how we'll establish rapport, right? And you'll get to know me, and you'll get to know my dog, and it's a good thing. And that's actually relevant because we'll be talking about love a little bit. And I love my dog, but we'll get there. Uh, so, I guess uh, I'm tag teaming in for this sermon. As uh, that's why I'm up here, that's why I'm speaking. And this is going to be our last sermon. I actually didn't confirm this with Aaron. This is our last sermon, correct? Yeah, we'll do a little segue from this series into the next, next week. Okay, cool. So, there, so I don't need to completely wrap it up. But this was originally going to be number three, and then it got bumped forward. And so I wrote this sermon like four weeks ago, something like that. So I've had lots of practice. <laughs> I hope. I hope that's what that means. Uh, but so we're coming, anyways, so we're coming towards the end. And this whole series has just been looking at Jesus' interpretation of the Shema. So found specifically in Mark, uh, verse, sorry, chapter 12, verse 30. And so if you're wondering where that came from, well, it came from Aaron as he was uh, on some kind of road trip and he was, there was some bad A&W involved and he ended up alone in the cabin with some strange books. So that was a, that was a piece of it, not necessarily in that order. And it also came out of asking, okay, so was there a devotional practice that Jesus walked out every day? What did Jesus do devotionally? Uh, and one of the answers that we find to that question is that uh, Jesus probably prayed the Shema. So this section of scripture that was found in Deuteronomy as a, as a devout Jew, he probably prayed this daily. And so we decided, okay, well, let's dig into that and let's try and understand what Jesus is talking about here. He quotes it in the book as Mark as, well, this is the most important commandment of all of them. So that if Jesus says this is important, let's look at that and let's dig into that. Let's try and think through what this is. And so when we started this series, we looked at the intro line to the Shema and it said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so then we broke down each of those words into our context, right? And we heard something like, Hear and do, O wrestling ones. The Lord is exceedingly great in every way and he has opened his arms to us. And in that opening line, we see the immense uh, beauty of God. We hear his call to be his people. We hear this yearning and this heart that is breaking for us. We see this call to be his people, this welcoming. Uh, no matter where we're at, no matter what our background is, we hear this, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. And uh, it's this greatness of God that you notice in that first line that then leads to the rest of the passage and informs the rest of it. So the response is, okay, well, we're supposed to love God with our whole being then, right? And so then we next talked about, okay, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. And so the heart is this seed of, of emotions. It's this bag of squirrels. It's the producer of desires inside of us. And so we talked about submitting our hearts to God so that he becomes the locus of our desires. He becomes the compass. He becomes the one that directs it, the one that points our desires in the right direction. Uh, we then talked about loving the Lord our God with all of our soul. And uh, our soul is complicated, but it involves on some level our usness. It involves maybe consciousness. It involves gifts, personality, our template. Uh, it involves what makes us truly us. And then we can discover these things only truly, as scripture would say, in relationship with God. And so it's, 
in our relationship with God that we learn who we truly are. And then we begin to live these things out and we begin to be able to take all of these things, our usness, and devote that to God and serve him and love him in it because he's worthy. So then we skipped, we skipped the love the Lord your God with all of your mind part and we went to love the Lord your God with all of your strength. And so we learned that mayonnaise on French fries is just wrong. We also learned that we are to love God with all of our ability, all of our muchness. A scripture would say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are special, you are important, you are valuable. And you have this wholeness and this muchness and this fullness. You matter, so use that in service to your God. And uh, if you've been paying attention, there's only one more, right? So there's four, we talked about three, there's only one more left. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. And so today we'll be talking about the part that Jesus actually added to the Shema. So like the Shema in Deuteronomy, you see that love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And then Jesus adds this part, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. So uh, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll read through, the, uh, read through the text together, and we'll go from there. So let's just pray. Um, Father, as we look at your word this morning, we pray for you to uh, meet us through it. Uh, We come to you, uh, you promise that you meet us, and we say, uh, would you direct our hearts, would you direct our affections towards you? Um, We pray that you'd meet us in the individual of our, uh, in our individual us-ness, that you'd meet us here, that you would uh, remind us of your love and your presence with us, remind us of who we are and and how we're made and what it is that you have for us, remind us of your, your plans for us. We pray that you would cause your light to shine into our minds that you would help us to see what is truth and to chase that and to follow that, to see that, to know that, to grow in that. And we also pray for your empowering and your equipping, uh, that you would help us to love you with everything that we have and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. And uh, we need you, we love you, uh, we ask for your help, amen. So let's uh, read the scripture and then we'll continue talking about it from there. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Uh, so as we begin what it, uh, what it means to uh, love the Lord your God with all your mind, let's uh, pause and reflect on this word love because to love the Lord your God, that seems like an important piece, right? And so we've been talking about love as this chosen passion. So love is a lot of things, but love is at least two things. And on one side, there's this passion, there's this desire, there's this kind of like fire in your heart. There's this impulsive striving. There's this feeling that I have when I see my dog and I'm like, I just love you so much. There's this passion piece to love. And then the other side of love, there's also this choosing, covenantal, this promise-making piece to it. And so there's the feeling and there's the choice and we're being called, when, when we use this word, we're being called to choose God. But in the choosing of God, there's also room for that experience. And we're called to create room for that experience to grow. And for that passion and for that desire. 
And this love, like kind of what we said before, this love rises out of a recognition in the passage that God is exceedingly great. So this love is kind of like an expected response to the greatness of God. And this expected response is our total being, right? That's where the rest of this passage comes from. So it's love stemming from all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And it would say God alone is worthy of these things. And when you look at scripture, there's this message. It says that this is what you as a human being, this is what you were designed for. So it's not only that God is overwhelmingly worthy of this love. It just so happens that what is best for God, according to scripture, is also what is best for us. Um, God has made him for ourselves sorry, has made us for himself and our souls are restless until they find their rest in him. So there's a way in which we're made to love God and to glorify him. And as we love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and our mind and our strength, scripture says that in that we fulfill our purpose. In the loving of God, we actually find out who we truly are. That's the way we were made. That's what we were made for. And so it's, we fulfill our purpose and we find our true selves at the same time. And as a part of living out who we are made to be, we're called to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. So, next question. Okay, great, that's love. So what does this mean? What is our mind? Uh, We should understand that before we can really go any further. So let's start with the fact that it's complicated, like most things in life, complicated. Uh, When you look at the Hebrew, so in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, you see some overlap with the term that is used for soul. So when we are talking about soul, uh, nefesh, that word in the Hebrew is like used interchangeably with, or sorry, the meaning of that is the same as this, it's the same word. Or sometimes you see overlap between, uh, with the same word that is used for the spirit of a person, for ruach. And this can be confusing because the Hebrew concept of soul kind of includes mind. So you kind of have to determine by context whether it's talking about this part of a person or that part of a person because it really is kind of the same word. So this is a complicated piece. And then when you get to the New Testament, you start to see more of a distinction. There's actually a word for soul, right? And there's, now there's a separate word for mind. And you see this word noyos being used to refer to mind. And then further, you see this prefix dia. This is just detailed stuff. I don't know how much you guys are interested in this, but there's this dia that's attached to the front of noios, and it means this, this word meaning through. And so you end up with a word meaning in the Greek to use the mind, to reach balanced and well-weighed conclusions. It's like to use the deep mind, to possess critical thinking, full-orbed reasoning. So to love God with our mind then is to love God with all of our critical thinking, to love God with all of our full-orbed reasoning. It is to love God with all of our intellect, love God with all of our mental energy. Uh, For simplicity, I'm just going to say for today that we're supposed to love God with our reason. And a full-orbed reason involves a couple of different things. And we're going to touch on these so you can make a mental note that we're going to hit these themes. So it involves a searching something through, literally searching from side to side. It means pursuing understanding. And it means asking sincere questions and following those questions through to the answers, wherever they may lead. Oh, well, I guess we're going to jump to that. So we swim in a culture that's going to see reason a couple different ways. And uh, if we had more time, we would dive into that. But we're just going to jump to, okay, what does Scripture have to say positively about this question? 
So what does scripture have to say about what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all of your mind? And I'll just make a quick statement here that we live in a culture, right? And it's filled with cultural voices and everybody's on some level is trying to answer these questions of what does this mean? So what I'm going to present is this is what scripture says. This is the answer to this question. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all your mind. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to hit a couple texts and you're going to see them up there. And then we're going to talk about them slowly. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to summarize them all at the end. So let's start with Hebrews 11.1, 1, which should be up there. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And what I want to say here is faith is not something blind. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. So you could say it's a strong confidence in things that we have not yet experienced. And this confidence is a confident expectation that comes because we have a good reason to trust the person that told us this. So faith is essentially this trust that God has given us good reasons to trust him. So what this means, we can love God with all our mind by growing in our knowledge of his character and our knowledge of his person and thereby developing our trust in him. And so what this means is de uh, developing our reason increases our faith. They are not two separate things. They are interconnected. Reason increases our faith and faith without reason is not faith. Faith without reason is gullibility or just believing what people tell you. So 1 Peter 3, 15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So you sometimes run into people in the church, right? And they, they say that they have faith. And, and when they say, uh, well, I had faith in this particular instance, uh, what they're really saying is, well, I have a certain level of ignorance in this area and they're labeling their action in this area of ignorance as faith. Um, and the Bible commends faith. The Bible does not commend ignorance. The Bible does not commend credulity. Scripture tells us here, be prepared to give reasons for what we believe. And the implication is that we should believe what we believe for good reasons. We can love God with all our minds then by having reasons for what we believe and by being prepared to give them. Acts 17, 11. Uh, now these Jews, talking about the Bereans, uh, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And the Bereans were noble because they evaluated and they thought through for themselves what was being taught to them. They took what they were taught and they compared it to scripture and they said, hey, does this make sense? Is this true? Is this what it's saying? So we can love the Lord our God with all our minds by weighing and by considering what we're taught. So uh, this means you should maybe not just believe what I'm saying just because I'm saying it to you. Um, don't believe someone just because they say it and they're in a position of authority. Wrestle with it. Ask questions. And do that until you have a good reason to believe it. So we can love our God with all our mind by wrestling and by questioning and by sincerely looking for what is true. And not just accepting someone because someone in a position of authority, like myself, tells you. Proverbs 4, 5 says, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. 
It's saying, pursue understanding, pursue insight, pursue wisdom, get those things, chase them. We can love the Lord our God with all our minds by urgently pursuing understanding. And finally, before we begin to summarize them, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus claims to be the truth. He says that as you pursue truth, you will find him at the center because it will be him that you're chasing the entire time. So we can love the Lord our God with all our mind by looking for truth in all things, by taking Jesus at his word, by trusting him when he says this, and by looking for him. And as we look for what is true, sincerely, we're looking for Jesus. And Jesus says that he'll meet us there. So how do we love the Lord our God with all of our mind biblically then? So this is just a phrase that I took from those various verses and I put it together in a sentence, okay? This is what it says. It says, we love the Lord our God with all of our mind by using our reason, by urgently pursuing understanding, by wrestling and questioning as we seek for the truth. And so I'm going to break this down a little bit, but I just want to take a step back, right? So we're talking about loving the Lord your God with all our mind. We've been looking at scriptures. We kind of have this sentence and we're like, okay, that's great. But Matt, is this necessary? Is this good? I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, right? But let's see what this first doctor, so maybe we'll, I go to lots of doctor's appointments, but maybe let's go to the doctor and see what they have to say, okay? So, uh, Dr. Moreland uh, would be an apologist in California. This is what he has to say. He says, the contemporary Christian mind is starved. And as a result, we have small, impoverished souls. Well, uh, small, impoverished souls. Like, wow, doctor, what are you, what are you trying to say? Like, that's not, a, that's not a very favorable diagnosis. Starvation, like you're unhealthy, you're sickly. Ooh. Um, and, uh, you know, in this kind of situation where we get such a bad diagnosis, maybe it's worth getting a second, second opinion. So maybe we'll like say, thank you, doctor. I'm going to go see someone else. <clears throat> this is a guy, this is a specialist who lived over in England. He's an associate of C.S. Lewis. I think C.S. Lewis was a mentor to him and a teacher. And so this is, uh, this is the second doctor that we're going to see, Harry Blamers. And w- what do you say, doctor? He says, the bland assumption that the church's life will continue to be fruitful So long as we go on praying and cultivating our souls, irrespective of whether we trouble to think and talk Christianly, and therefore theologically, about anything we or others may do or say, may turn out to have dire results. So he's saying the neglect of our mind and the neglect of our reason may actually not just be neutral. And it might not just be this thing that inhibits ourselves and impoverishes ourselves and starves ourselves, But this may have dire results. This may damage our witness here. It may damage our relationship with others. It may damage our relationship with the people of Carlton Place. This may actually go on to be a negative thing. Okay, so uh, having done that, okay, we saw the doctors. This is what they're saying. So let's go back and let's just think through this a little bit more. This is probably cause enough for reflection. So we love the Lord our God with all of our mind by using our reason. And this first point I want to make, it's about recognizing that we have this tool. So it's hard to use something that we don't even know that we have, right? So I think it's important that we recognize the importance of our reason. We must not downplay it. Uh, We must not avoid it. We must exercise it. A reason is not an enemy to faith. 
reason is something to be used as we pursue truth together as a community and we look for who God is and what it is that he's promised and what this means and what does this look like and what are we going to do and how are we going to do this thing? This is a tool that we can use as a community to pursue God and to get closer. And the first step to using that tool is probably to identify, yes, we have this tool. Okay, let's... uh, move on from there. This is a tool that is given to us by God. God is not a God of illogic. God is not a God of unreason. He is a God who has given us reason to use. So if this is from God, let's use it for his kingdom. Let's, let's use this tool that we have. And then uh, let's move to the second point. Uh, we love the Lord our God with all our mind by urgently pursuing understanding. If the first point was about recognizing that we have a tool, this is kind of about the position of our hearts as we use this tool. So I'm not making a political statement here, okay? Like it's, it's kind of like the, you know, the guns don't kill people, but like people kill people. They happen to use guns. Guns are the tool. Not a political statement, just a, just a fact. But this is kind of the same. This is like what's our motivation in using this tool or who is the person that stands behind this tool? Um, and so is there something that our heart wants? And so questions that come to mind here are, okay, well, how urgently do we pursue understanding? Are we intentional about growing in our knowledge and our understanding? Would we rather just drown ourselves in busyness and drown ourselves in entertainment and unthinking? Uh, unfortunately, that's usually the easier choice. But if we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, this matters, right? Like, do we read Scripture? Are we actually looking Are we testing things? Do we read books? Books are good, I guess. Do we expose ourselves to other media with the intention of learning and growing and exercising our reason? Do we limit ourselves to only interacting with ideas that we already agree with? Do we live in an echo chamber that will prevent us from ever learning anything new or from ever changing our mind on something? Um, Do we only read authors that we agree with Here's one. Do we come to church to learn? Do we come here just looking for affirmation of what we already believe? Or do we step into this space being like, God, I want to know you. And I know that I don't know everything. So please teach me. Please help me to grow. Please help me to learn. Do we come expecting God to teach us? Do we come with some level of critical thinking that is like, I want to, I want to dig into that. I want to learn. I want to know. Aaron said that. I wonder if that's, I'm going to look at that. Matt said that, and I disagreed. (laughs) So I'm going to talk to him about it, and together we're going to reach a place where, oh, okay, maybe this is actually what's going on. Um, Do we engage, and do we wrestle with the sermons and the messages that we hear? Do they just go in one ear and out the other one? Or is it something that is actually, that we chew on, that that we're like, okay, well, let's think about that. Let's talk about that. Home church plug, okay? If you don't have a space to do that, Woo! Home church is one of the places that we want to do that. We want to create a space where we can actually talk things through. And what do you think this means? What do you think this means? What stood out to you? What do you think about this? Does that work? Yeah, I like that. I really like what you said. And we want to chew on it. We want to learn and we want to grow together. So I guess the, the end of this point is really let's make space in our lives to exercise our mind. And let's grow in our knowledge of who God is and the world that he's made. And if we're not making space in our lives for growing then we are stunting our growth. If we're not making space in our minds to exercise this, we're stunting ourselves. The life of the mind is important, and the life of the mind is directly connected to our spiritual health. So uh, here we go. Let's go into uh, wrestling and questioning. We love the Lord of God with all our mind by 
wrestling and questioning. So the first point is about we have this tool, right? Second point uh, is about our heart as we use this tool. And so this point is, okay, that's great, Matt. You've told us about this tool. How do we, what do we actually do with that? This is one of the ways I think that we can actually practically use this tool. So we're sometimes scared to ask questions, right? If you're, if you're like me, you're scared to ask questions. Um, and we sometimes live in fear of interacting with ideas outside of maybe it's our denomination or maybe it's like with ideas outside of the church or maybe it's we're scared of interacting with people who are different than us. I mean, the question runs through my mind, right? It's like, okay, well, what if I, what if I enter into conversation with somebody I'm willing to be wrong and what if I become a heretic? Like, that's a, that's a scary thing, right? Like, what, what do I do with that? Um, what if someone convinces me to leave my faith? What if someone causes my faith to be shipwrecked? This is, this is fear. These are fears that I have. Uh, and I think, uh, well, yeah, what if I believe, what if what I believe isn't true? And I think sometimes churches have dealt with this by having an unwritten rule, right? And that unwritten rule is there's certain questions that you're not allowed to ask. And if, if you never ask those questions, then uh, you'll never get to a place where you doubt these questions. So we're fine. Just don't ask questions and you won't have any problems. You have nothing to be scared of as long as you don't ask certain questions. And that's been the response of some people. Uh, I want to take a different tact here and I want to say I think I recognize in my own life that all of these things are based in fear and into this place of fear I, I read scripture and I, I listen to God and this is what I hear him saying I hear him say in 2 Timothy 1.7 he says for God has given us a spirit not of fear we've been given a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind uh, and my mind goes, well, what, what do we really have to be scared of? I mean, God is bigger than any question. He should be able to handle that. Um, I mean, it, with fear, aren't, isn't what we're really saying that we don't believe that God is true? If, if that's the deep-seated fear in us, isn't, isn't it really kind of a, uh, yeah, isn't this like, well, maybe, maybe it isn't there. I don't think that God needs us to protect him. I mean, really, this should be the last thing that we're, scared of, right? I mean, we should believe that what we believe is true. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I want to believe what is true. And I, if, if something that I believe isn't true, then I, I would like to live my life in such a way that I would actually know that that's the case. And I would like to actually, I want to I believe this what's true. And I want to pursue that in community. I think that, that that's what God wants for me too. lots of thoughts there and we can go lots of places but let me bring it back in a little bit here I, I enjoy controversial things by the way <laughs> maybe you can't tell but uh, here let's go here growth can be uncomfortable and growth can be stretching and scary but if we're going to love God with all of our mind then I think that one of the best ways we can do that is by asking questions and pursuing the true answer to them I think there has to be a willingness in us to be wrong about something. There has to be a willingness to say, God, I don't know everything, please teach me. I don't wanna hold on to something just because someone told me, I want to know who you are. So please teach me who you are. And if we're gonna say that, there has to be a willingness to be wrong and to hear what he's saying. Um, the opposite of faith, by the way, is not doubt. The opposite of faith or trust is choosing not to trust. Sincere questions done in the presence of God and inviting God into them are only going to lead us to a place of deeper understanding of the truth. 
It's only going to lead us to greater faith, greater trust, because it's actually going to be real and maybe not something that we just have as like a half-formed idol or something in our mind. So here, yeah, questions can be scary, but in the end, our faith and our trust is going to be so much richer and so much more vibrant because of this growth than if we decided, well, God, I don't want you in that, or I don't want, I don't want you in this part of my life, or this part of my life, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna believe, and I, I don't want you to come in and speak into that. So this first point we talked about, right, is, uh, okay, well, knowing that we have this tool. This second point is about our heart as we use this tool. This third is a method by which we can use this tool. And there's a lot more that could be said about each of these, I'm sure. And this fourth point is uh, where Jesus says that this tool will lead us and why we don't have to be scared of using it as we seek for the truth. So in all of this, one of the most comforting things, the most comforting thing I've found has been uh, the verse that we read earlier, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is here saying that he is the truth. He's saying that truth is a person. He's also saying that if we make truth the center of our search, if we spend our lives searching for the true and the beautiful and the good and the real, and if we do that with all of our heart and we do that with sincerity, he says, you will find me at the center of these things. Romans says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this is an invitation to find out what is true, to find out what is good. I hear Jesus saying here, an invitation. Ask questions with honesty. Ask questions with sincerity. Ask questions genuinely looking for the answers. This is an invitation to dive down to the bottom of an issue. I'll say, just as an aside, I think that you can ask questions from a bad motivation, right? Questions can be asked to make someone look like an idiot or to like, you know what I mean? So you can ask bad questions. That's, That's what I think a bad question is. And I think there's good questions, which is a question that is, God, I don't know about this. Please help me. Please help me to understand. Please help me to know. Please help me to learn. Please help me to grow. Teach me who you are. And I hear here an invitation. When you abandon yourself in a a search for truth, Jesus says, when you do that, you are actually pursuing me. I am the truth. And I will be there waiting for you at the end of your search. So how do we love the Lord our God with all of our mind? This has been uncomfortable and a little bit scary and kind of like, oh, I don't know. I might disagree with you on that. That's good. We can talk about that. Uh, We love the Lord with our God with all of our minds by using our reason, by urgently pursuing understanding, by wrestling and questioning as we seek for the truth. And I guess the, the, uh, the piece that I'd say here is, well, let's love God with all of our mind. Let's pursue him. Let's pursue him that, so that our knowledge of him grows, so that our knowledge of his ways grows. Let's pursue him so that our trust and our faith grows so that we're not stunted and sickly. Let us pursue him so that we're loving God with our whole being, including that mind part. Let us love God so that we are further transformed, so that Carlton Place is transformed. And maybe this piece hasn't been a strength of yours in the past. Um, And I'm going to say this right now. I don't think that this piece, this loving the Lord your God with all your mind, I don't think it's measured 
in, uh, okay, well, how many books have you read or like the courses that you completed or like how many years did you go to Bible college? Like, I don't think, that's not how you, that's not how you measure those things. Those things can be good, but those things can also be done in a way that is not loving. So I'm just saying that's not, that's not, the, that's not the point here. It's not like, okay, everybody go register for a bachelor's degree. Um, the most important piece and the piece that we can change right now is that all of us can confess our failure to do this 100%. So all of us can recognize that and all of us can commit to going deeper. All of us can commit to wanting to know more. We can rekindle that fire in our heart to seek after God, to, to seek after him and to follow him with all of our mind. We can kindle that fire to understand his character, to understand his ways, to look. We can choose to purge ourselves of a, of a postmodern apathy, that just says, well, there is no truth, so why even bother looking for it? We can purge ourselves of that, and we can say, I want to know what is real. I want to know what is good. God, I want to know you. And we can choose to seek for him, and we, cannot, we can choose to not limit ourselves just to what is comfortable. And uh, I guess just as a quick reflection on uh, our series, I think, I think that Jesus is, is saying this, both in this sermon and the ones that have gone before. I think he's saying that I want all of you. I love you and I want you to know me. So love me with your heart and your desires. Love me with your soul and your individuality. Love me with your strength and your muchness. And love me with your mind and pursue knowing me. This is what you were made for. And it's here that you will find your true self. It's here that you will find true life. This will deepen your faith. This will transform you and your community. Uh, so uh, what we're going to do is uh, we'll just read through the Shema. So the words up there, we'll read through that together as a group. Uh, then I'm going to pray together. And then we're going to leave the front free because I don't think there's anything else coming up after. Right? So we'll read through, we'll pray, and then uh, we'll just leave the front open. If, and that's just time where if you want to take time to reflect, if you want prayer, if you want to speak with God in a way that's like you don't want to just leave and have your mind uh, overflow with other things before you get a chance. So you can come up to the front after all this and just sit there and we can pray or we can talk or we can, you can just sit there and have space with God. You can talk to God and say, hey, uh, I want to confess this or I want to do this or I want to commit to this. I think you guys get the idea. That's just open. But uh, first let's read through this and then we'll pray together. So you can follow my lead here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you'd stand with me, let's uh, close in prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Our Father, um, we want to ask uh, for, that you would forgive us for where there's our apathy, uh, where apathy has crept into our hearts and like a lack of searching after you. We pray for forgiveness there. Um, we long to know you. Uh, we long to seek after you. We want to know, uh, yeah, we want to know you. So we pray that you would meet with us, that you would teach us who you are, that you would show yourself to us. We long to understand, to know your ways, to know your character. We, we long for our faith to grow in that. 
Yeah, we pray that you would forgive us for where we've let our minds stagnate or where we've neglected them. And we pray that you would give us again a fire and a passion to know you. We pray that you would lead us into all truth as a community, that you would guide us and lead us and, and that we would seek you. And, and that that's a complicated thing, but we, we pray for your help. We wanna love you with all of our minds. We pray that you would help us to do that. May we be a people who meditate and a people who reflect on the things of you. And may we be a people who are intentional. May we be a people who seek after and pursue the knowledge of who you are. We pray that you would lead us into all truth. And we invite you to be here with us. And we just say thank you for everything you've given us. We love you. Say thank you. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.